Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, a Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a couple of very optimistic Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Dave, as always, returns to keep us in check just to make sure we don't get carried away after a couple of good results. Dave is here to make sure that we don't let it get to our heads and to remind us that tougher tasks may lay ahead. So Dave, do you think it's time to start engraving Tottenham Hotspur into the Premier League trophy from now, or is that a little it, bit? It could very well be. I mean, you know, <laughs> the only team in the Premier League that scored a goal against Contest Spurs is the mighty Leeds United, so... They are indeed. That's a very good stat. Yeah, it's, uh, that's it's, very true. That's, that's high praise indeed. Love a stat. There you go. So I have to ask, have you seen at least some highlights or some goals? Because obviously I know today's game coincided with uh, your beloved Leeds United, so nobody expected you to, to watch that. But have you seen? Well, you say that, but I think you did because you sent me a an email <laughs> to access the visuals of the game, shall we say? Um, and <laughs> so, I'm, you know, you know, Dags, I'm not actually a Spurs fan. I am actually going to well, probably watch the Leeds game if I do can. Such a good impression of one sometimes, Dave. You can't blame me, okay? Well, look. Yeah, with such expansive Spurs knowledge, exactly. you'd have been forgiven for thinking otherwise. Exactly. And a fast deteriorating Northern accent. Yeah, I need to stop talking to you guys. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I did. I, I have got the highlights of the game. So regulars to the show will no doubt recognise that voice chirping in there as Elio. Elio joins me, of course. Welcome back. Elio, a two-part question for you, very leading question. One, how long did your drive last to the stadium today? Um, Via picking up my father. I think we got to Tottenham in good time. Got to Tottenham by about half 12-ish. I left at half nine, so only three hours. Three hours. Okay, well, that definitely answers my second part. My second part of the question is, had the game ended after 10 minutes, 1-0 after Lucas Moura's goal, would it have been worth the travel? Absolutely. <laughs> and we'll get on to talk about that goal. I know we all want to talk about it, but we're going to try and move through in order because, of course, since you last joined us, we have had two games. And as I remind you, we've had two wins, two clean sheets. It's all looking rather comfortable at the moment. So we're going to talk about the Brentford game. We're going to talk about Norwich today. And of course, we now have two games to look forward to before the next one. But before we do, of course, let's look back on those two games. And it's a nice problem to have, but I'm struggling to keep track of all the goals we've been scoring. Five goals, none conceded, lots of stuff to talk about. So let's take it right back to Thursday and let's talk about the Brentford game. So 2-0 win. Was it as comfortable as the scoreline, Elio? How did you find our performance against Brentford? I don't even think we played particularly brilliantly but I do think the scoreline was deserved I do think Mm. the game was only ever going one way and that's because the players even with their limitations at this point because it's only been a month at least seem to know what they're meant to do when we have the ball what they're meant to do when we don't have the ball which Mm. hasn't been the case at Spurs for two years and given that by and large they are decent players, when they have access to information such as how should I be playing football as a professional footballer, they do an okay job of it. I understand what they're trying to do now, even if they don't always execute it. And I think that was evident in both performances. And yes, there were sort of hairy moments, particularly defensively, but... To tell you the truth, I was never worried. It was deserved three points both times. That's exactly the point. And I was thinking that today and on Thursday, it's a strange feeling. You know, you're never completely calm until it's two or three. You're always thinking this could turn around. But I think traditionally as Spurs fans, even if you're 2-0 up and there's 20 minutes to go, you're nervous. You're, you're nervous. It's not a case of just thinking anything can happen in football. It's thinking we've seen this too many times. Whereas mm. I don't get that feeling at the moment. I know that's tempting fate. 
But there seems to be a bit more control. There's not many areas. The players seem to know their roles and what they're doing. Do you think we are seeing significant examples of what Conte has brought to a mentality of the team already? Absolutely. They look organised. They already look a little bit fitter as well in terms of how many yards mm. they're putting. And I don't know what the stats are for sprints and things like that, but I'd be surprised if we weren't the better of the two teams in each of our last couple of games. I and... I'm you down now. I should have that stat to hand. I don't. Well, Dave, and... quick, Google it for me. <laughs> And there seems to be a clear kind of when this guy has the ball in this position and this guy has to make this run. It, it's almost as if yeah, Conte is, and it, the way he behaves on the touchline, he might yeah. well be. It's as if he's actually orchestrating. He looks like a conductor out there. It's uh, absolutely, it's lovely. I noticed that exact thing towards the end of the game. Incidentally, I think Spurs have released a Conte cam now, so you can see sort of clips of him on the side of the pitch. There was a Nuno cam, but it was mainly just him <laughs> sitting there, looking Gosh. sad. Yeah, <laughs> no Conte. I was watching Conte when one of the shots kind of had him at the bottom of the screen and he was literally pointing in the direction he wanted every pass to go and the passes were going there it was like he was actually it was like he was playing FIFA with a control <laughs> and actually telling the players exactly what to do which was it was crazy and, and on that note I, I was listening to a match of the day podcast recently and it was one where Cesc Fabregas was the special guest and he was talking about Conte and he talked about this time he was in training and the ball came back to him and he played a really nice through ball to a player who scored and thought oh I'm, I'm the best. I just set up a goal. And Conte went mad at him and started screaming at him. He's like, no, that's not what I told you to do. That's not football. You do what I say. So he seems like he's a bit of a control freak, which maybe is what we need. Maybe maybe it's all good and well saying, yeah, we want to have creative license and freedom. And, and obviously a couple of players will have that. But maybe we just need a bit more discipline and that's suddenly well, come through. could explain why he has a short shelf life at most clubs. But at the <laughs> same time, it would explain why he does get results and get results quickly wherever he goes and takes teams that have good players but are finishing 7th to 10th and turns them into champions so I'm looking forward to May 2022 at the moment if I'm perfectly honest I think we'll be um, in a healthy position if things keep progressing this way I think when you notice something like Oliver Skip turning over play in the opposition's half and then carrying another sort of 25 yards past a challenge or two before rifling off a shot Whereas under Nuno, he seemed to just be chasing the ball wherever it went at any given time and sort of exhausting yeah. himself by three quarters of the way through the match because he was just charging around like a terrier. So I think when you see something like that, when you see the way players are actually improving through the game, we're actually finishing stronger than we start every single time. I think it yeah. really does show that it's a bit like a Formula One car. Every F1 car by two races later is basically a completely different car to what it was. They change so much during each race in terms of diagnostics, in terms of the balance, etc, etc. And he's almost doing that mid-match with us. We're actually changing and evolving through matches as it goes along, which is why, for instance, a couple of games back against Leeds, we started relatively so I think it's fair to say I think Leeds had the better of that half by the end of the game we were clearly the deserved winners like I think there's a real lovely theme going on there and it's beyond just a half-time rollicking for not doing what he says. You mentioned Skip there, and don't worry, we are going to talk about Skip, as we always do. And I think we joke about Joe being the chairman of the fan club, but I think we're, we're all in the Oliver Skip fan club. Mm. I don't want to speak for you, Dave, necessarily, but all of us Spurs contingent Ooh. anyway certainly are. <laughs> but we'll get on to him. And it's one of those nice situations where there are a lot of players we can say nice things about. You know, normally, we pick out a couple of stand-up formers and go into detail, so we'll probably have to go through a lot of them. But I want to try and keep something of a structure. So let's try and go through in chronological order let's go back to the Brentford game and let's look at let's look at the goal first so Dave I'm going to put you on the spot can you remember from your research of looking at our highlights which I know you've done 
because you're a very diligent plus Daver. Can you remember who scored our first goal? It's a bit of a trick question. Actually. Yeah, of course I can, because he scored today against Leeds. <laughs> yes. It was, a, it was a canass on goal, wasn't it? Wasn't it Pontus Janssen? <laughs> it was indeed. Pontus Janssen trying to clear a ball yeah. and uh, straight against Canos's face. Uh, yeah. And then straight Paul into Ben the Davies didn't get the goal. No, he, it looked like a Ben well, Davies. He nearly got one uh, later on, though, didn't he? I know. I, I almost. I want to say I feel bad for him, but there's a looper, looper into the top corner. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and look, there's not a huge amount to say about the goal other than it was a nice ball in from Son. But it's a good opportunity to talk about Davies because he's somebody that I think has he started to prove a few doubters wrong. He's been involved at both ends of the pitch, and I think he's doing well in that position. You know, I'm not saying necessarily we don't need to replace a defender and we want to have him for the rest of the season, but. We could do a lot worse, at least for a backup. What have you made of Davies in the last couple of games, Elio? I think he's been exceptional so far under Conte. He, all right, he wasn't mm. great in the European side, who was? No. And that was reverting back to left back in an emergency situation after sending off. But as a left centre back, he's really excelling. He's been playing this position for years for Wales, let's not Wales, forget. Yeah. And as a player who was slightly too slow to be a modern fullback or wing back, and slightly too short to be a centre back in a two, but a very committed player, a player who's fairly comfortable on the ball, decent passer, it's always made sense to have him as left centre back of a three. And he's really grown into it and really made it his own. And I think everybody should be pleased that we have Ben Davies right now. Whether he's the long term answer, who knows? But. The performances he's putting in, it's hard to think that if he went and got, oh, I don't even know who's a good left-footed centre-back in Europe right now, Romagnoli, for instance, from Milan mm. or something like that. I can't imagine that the performance would be particularly better. He's doing everything that's asked of him. I think he made a mistake today with a slightly soft pass back to the goalie, but it got mopped up mm. fairly easily in the end. And generally... It suits him. It really, really does. And uh, I'm looking around the Premier League and thinking, so Ken Conte does want a left-footed player at left centre-back. He always has done. He doesn't yeah. like sort of mixing it up. He doesn't like people on their wrong sides in that formation because it's part of how he likes to pass out. And would I want Tyrone Mings instead of Ben Davies in that position? Absolutely not. So, mm. so no, I'm really, really pleased at the moment. Good. And he's getting in and among the attacking phases of play as well. He's coming forward, even though he's just yeah, supposedly that's a centre-back. He seems to be getting forward, you know, I mean, and not at the expense of Regalon getting forward either. It's certainly both of them, which gives us a nice overlap in numbers going forward. So it's, it's good to see. The overlapping centre-back's interesting. It's, um, mm. it's like Conte's learned something from Chris Wilder. <laughs> Didn't think we'd be talking about him today. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Son put in a lovely cross for that goal. And then Son, of course, was rewarded with a goal himself to make it 2-0. Really nice move, if you can remember it. All those goals ago. I'm sorry I'm having to make you think through so many Spurs goals. But pretty much started by Harry Kane with a lovely through ball, incisive ball through mm. to Regulon, who, again, is a player we're going to... Both players we're going to talk about and squared for a tap-in for Son. But Kane's involvement in that, probably a good point to start talking about him. We have to do our standard Harry Kane section every week. Again, similar theme in the sense that he isn't scoring, but he is getting involved a lot. And to me, he created a lot of our chances. He seems to be involved in a few of our goals. Is that enough when other people are scoring? What do you think of Harry Kane right now? I know the answer seems to change every week. but It is enough when other people are scoring, particularly mm. if he's part of the reason they're scoring. And against Brentford, I actually thought he looked a bit leggy and a bit cumbersome against Brentford, but it was a beautiful pass in for Reguilon. And it's the old hockey assist that uh, I've mentioned yeah. before. It's, uh, it, was, it, was it was as good splendid. as an assist, wasn't it? Exactly. And I, I love a good reverse pass. Mm. Today, I actually thought he played brilliantly, other than his mm. finishing, where that was a guy 
who's desperate for a goal, not hitting things as sweetly as he does when he's confident today, basically. But everything else he did today was wonderful. It was the sort of performance that used to buy Harry Kane time through his lean spells. All right, his lean spells used to be three games as opposed to 15. But um, I can't fault him today. And I think against Brentford, that was really showing his class at a point that we needed to kill the match. I have a genuine question about Kane. A, a genuine question as opposed to a trolling question. Okay. Yeah, but you're going to take it as a trolling question. <laughs> Is Harry Kane slow? You mean in the head? Pace-wise. I mean, in the head, he's definitely slow. But pace-wise, is he, is he slow? Is he fast? You know, you know he's the old, not fast. The old, he's not the old fast. Chat about, he's never been the fast. Old, the old chat about um, Rooney and Ronaldo, where Ronaldo was obviously faster, but Rooney was actually faster over a shorter period of time. Is there something about that with Kane, that he's got that kind of burst? Or is it all in the head and he just knows where to go? Because I, I think Rooney's faster than Kane. I mean, not anymore. No, maybe not Rooney anymore, until but, uh, he hit 23 was probably faster than Kane afterwards, who knows. I think Kane is a bit like Robbie Keane in the way I described him the other day, in that he's not necessarily fast, but he moves so well that he's a second ahead of his marker at any given time anyway. I think what he did have, which I'm worried he might have lost a bit, is a burst over that first 10 yards that yeah. gets him away in the first place. Because the guy doesn't need much space to hit a good shot and score a goal. So it's getting that space with that burst, which seems to have failed him a bit this season. However, we're seeing signs of that coming back now because he is actually getting chances in the last few games again. So, mm. so I think now it's actually that he's being a bad finisher, which is something you never really expect to say about Harry Kane. He's definitely not fast, though. He isn't a fast yes. player. He's, I'd say... Think Shearer post hamstring injuries is probably the best way to yeah, put it. The reason I ask is that I think it, you know, you, you've been talking about Conte being the conductor, you've been talking about him shouting at people because it's the wrong pass. And I think that's brilliant. And it's like, hi, welcome to an actual coach. Uh, we've had one for a few yep. years. That's what they do. Um, but mm. it's not coincidence that Kane gets the ball on the halfway line and he has bombing yep. runners on the left and the right. Uh, it's not coincidence that there were three passes and it was a wonderful and goal. And presumably Conte is okay that's with that. That's the kind that. of goal yeah. where, you, where you, when your team score it, it's like, there's a real satisfaction that it's just like, well, that's. So, That's exactly what they wanted to do. That's brilliant. Yeah. I said a couple of years ago that Harry Kane, this was towards the end of the Pochettino time when Harry Kane had got a couple of seasons without getting into the 20s for goals. And I said, I think he's at a point now, he's had a few injuries now where he has to kind of choose between being a number nine or a number 10, not both. Because, I mean, what he did last season numbers wise was the best hybrid nine, 10 he'd ever done. But he'd been doing that role for years and years and years. It's just that Son mm. started scoring at an accelerated rate last season off the back of it. Yeah, um, last season, Kane proved me wrong with that and actually did 9 and 10 at the same time perfectly. However, I'm back to that question where. Should he actually just become a career target man, push centre-backs as much as possible? Or should he become a pure number 10, sacrifice himself for others to score goals? Because even doing that, he'll still score a good amount of goals every season just because he's a good goal scorer. But mm. I feel like there's a choice to be made. I may be wrong, and going into the second half of the season, he may get up to full fitness and score for 15 games in a row. He's capable of doing it. He's that kind of player. But right now, it's looking like he hasn't got the ability to do both anymore just from a physical perspective. Mentally, he may do, but from a physical perspective, it's so demanding because 
you almost have to spend the whole game making twice as many runs because you've got to do the forward running to stretch centre-backs and push them back, but you've got to do the backward stuff to get the ball in between the lines and find space. And that's a lot to ask of someone, especially someone the size of Harry Kane. We're not talking about a diminutive sort of Del Piero or Baggio or or Zola or something like that. I don't know why I went pure Italians. (laughs) must be because of Conte. We all (laughs) talk... Well, they were the ultimate sort of goal-scoring number 10s in yeah. my mind, the sort of old Italian sort of not quite either. He's a big six foot three muscular guy, and I just think it's asking a lot of him to keep doing that. That being said, he did have a couple of chances. He you did. can't ignore that. And another Harry Kane puts those away. There was the chip today. He found himself one-on-one after a really nice through ball from Skip as well. I'll skip beat a couple of players as well. So he's had a couple of, a couple of chances. So, I mean, he's getting himself into goal-scoring positions. And I know it's a bit of a cliche and wishful thinking, but you think if he keeps doing it, he'll get one, he'll get his confidence back and he'll start scoring. It does kind of feel like he's just one game away from something clicking and suddenly mm. he gets a hat-trick. He wouldn't bet against it. Certainly that's why he's in my FPL team, but less about that. But the way I look at it, I put this to you both of you. I mean, if you actually looked at his performance, performance in isolation ignoring who he is I mean he he played we've talked about a couple of lovely passes his involvement in Son's goal to pass through to Regadon he played a lovely ball into Hoiberg as well I believe against Brentford as well where Hoiberg hit the side netting really good cross ball he played in Tanganga today in a really good sort of reverse pass where he was basically driving at the goal if that was say Lo Celso doing all of those things, would we be looking at that saying, what a game he's had or what are two games mm. he's had? This guy's played a brilliant attacking midfield role. He needs to start every game. He's coming good. Is there an element of because it's Kane, you focus too much on goals and maybe think he's underperforming on some level? I guess. I mean, like I said, I don't think he's underperformed today. I thought he had a really good game apart okay. from the goals. Yeah. But yeah, there is an element of he gets extra scrutiny because of who he is. But you get used to how a player does things and when they stop doing those things you begin to talk about cliches like their decline mm. it's just how it is and yeah. I hope he proves us all wrong to tell you the truth because the Harry Kane we've seen for the past seven years doing both roles has been one of the best footballers I've ever seen but yeah. if he is beginning to change physically in a way that means he does have to make that choice then I hope he does it sooner rather than later so that we can appreciate the beauty in what he does, not Mm. commiserate about what he can no longer do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know we always spend far too long on Harry Kane, but before I move along from that subject, Dave, as an England fan, where do you see Kane fitting in longer term, say at the World Cup? Do you want to see him in the team? Do you still think Kane has a lot to offer as a footballer? What are your thoughts? (laughs) Impact sub for 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 Bamford. Bamford. yeah? Yeah. No, I think he, he, the team needs to be built around him. Still captain, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Well, he's he's the captain of the team. He's the leader of the team. Is that all he is? Um, no, he he leads by example. I don't think he is a particularly mm. great leader of the team. He's not a Jordan Henderson bash the you know. Yeah. What, what he's do not we, a PSB. Yeah, exactly. He's he's not a PSB. He leads by example, and he does that by scoring plenty of goals. And, and I think in a different way to the way that Conte is probably putting a Spurs team together, that mm. will be a team in his image that will get results. Southgate is creating a team for England, which to a large extent plays to Kane's strengths. And yeah. and and I think that's probably a difference, and that probably means that you guys might end up getting frustrated because he'll, he might have a lot more success for England than he has for Spurs for the next couple of years. Certainly more goals recently. Absolutely. Before we move on to focus on the goals from Norwich, we talked about one player who obviously was in Norwich, and that is Oliver Skip, who we talk about every week, and rightly so because he just seems to be going from strength to strength. And I, I want to talk about him now because he was great in both games. Arguably, you could say a contender for man of the match in both games. I would say. Elio, we were talking about Skip earlier, and one thing you noted is that you're seeing him in a slightly different light now in the sense that he's not just a DM, he's not a defensive midfielder, he's not just a ball winner, he's almost 
kind of complete box to box player at the moment, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he's not added goals to his game, but hopefully that will come in time yeah. as well, because if he does, then he'll be a, a serious proposition. But right now he's playing like a player who does have everything in his armory and he's going to have bad games and these weren't the two hardest opponents in the league. So going to caveat everything by saying that. But at the same time, he's starting attacks, he's winning the ball high up, he's playing in good passes. The through ball he played for Kane against Brentford was lovely, mesmeric. Kane, he As good as any playmaker. He even really. had a shot today. Oliver Skip doesn't shoot. <laughs> um, he's really turning into a complete box-to-box midfielder. And if he can add sort of five, six goals a season, to his game on top of that then I think we're looking at our midfield general for the next decade to tell you the truth I mean we've obviously had so many different types of midfield we had Dembele who was the complete midfielder yeah. without the goals again they never seen score Modric who was just this absolute artist without the goals um, <laughs> we've had so many different kinds of sort of great midfield we, we had obviously Kane was scoring then it was fine yeah, that's true. We had your Wanyamas and your Sandros who are great in a very different kind of way, and Scotty Parker too. Oliver yep. Skitt is something we haven't really had. We've never really had a great box-to-box midfielder, I suppose. We've never really had that midfielder that can actually do everything, that's powerful and fast, but has skill and passing ability and can see a pass, but can also get played slowed down when he needs to as well. And that's what he's doing. And I think... Yep. The fact that he's doing it at his age in his first season in the Premier League, other than a smattering of sub-appearances before, it just makes you wonder what's he going to be like when he's 25, 26. We're no strangers to lofty comparisons on the Plus Day podcast. On the phone, no, earlier, please you, don't. You likened him to... No, no, I think it's fair. You likened him to a young Steven Gerrard in the sense that that's, <laughs> that's the mould of player he could become. And I will caveat that by saying, you know, you're not saying he's as good now or anything that silly. But Dave, please jump in because I I want to get your opinion on this. Because one of those many occasions where I feel like we're getting a little bit carried away with one of our bright young talents. What do you think of Oliver Skip? Well, I think it kind of dovetails into the conversation that we just had about Kane and the fact that, you know, there's a high estimation of Kane. And when he does things that are 8 out of 10, there's an element of, well, he should be doing that anyway. You know, whatever. Whereas Skip was was on loan at Norwich last season. And he's now suddenly a first teamer. And he did an incredible job. So basically, you've got two people meeting in the middle, basically both doing a good job, but but one gets a hell of a lot more praise than the other. Um, I think being a person that is watching a limited amount of Spurs games at the moment because they're constantly at the same time as Leeds games, I don't see a lot of him because I don't see I see the highlights and and mm. he's not in it. But that does not mean that he's not an important integral part of the team. Probably means he's more important. He's just he's not the bells and whistles yeah. that get everybody going on highlights packages. Mm. Yeah, if you see the defender or the defensive midfielder on match exactly. of the day, it's because they've slipped up and yeah, they've, passed it uh, to the or David Batty's kicked someone in the chest. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so so yeah, I don't think that's a fair barometer. Fair to be honest, I wanted to ask the question: Who would you rather see sold in January, Harry Kane or Oliver Skip? That is a very hard question. It's, it's crazy that that's actually a dilemma, isn't it? it imagine so if I'd have asked you be, that in episode one. <laughs> if you're going to be absolutely clinical about it, Oliver Skip has his career ahead of him. We won't get anywhere near the value of what his value could be in many years to come. Whereas Harry Kane, if he goes, is only going to be for a British transfer record and nothing less. So purely on that basis and the fact that you could get two good strikers for what you could get for one Harry Kane, whereas with Oliver Skip, you're either getting another young potential midfielder or you're getting someone who's hit their ceiling in their mid-20s, like when we bought Sissoko, for instance. Mm. I'd have to say we'd sell Kane, not Skip. It's going to depend on who comes in as well, obviously. And I know we're, we're 
skirting around the question. But to put it another way, who would we miss more over the next two, three years? So who, who's going to fit into the system that Conte has got planned? Who has the higher chance of having a longer career with Spurs? Well, I think they both fit into it. But I think Kane funds give Conte the ability to do more to make his system work, whereas mm. Skip funds won't do that. And Skip is currently a player that is already fitting into that system. And I think that's kind of how you have to think about it. I mean, this, neither of them are going anywhere anyway. But... It's a ridiculous question, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but... If you're thinking, who do you sell? You also have to think, well, do you want to sell Oliver Skip for 25, 30 million? And the rest. Which gets you one Callum Wilson. Or do you want to sell Harry Kane for 100 million plus? And that, that's where it becomes an easier decision. But hopefully we don't have to answer that question, at least not till summer. Transfer fees are nuts, aren't they? They are nuts. They're a bit silly, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't swap him for Sean Longstaff plus cash? <laughs> no. uh, interesting stats about Skip, actually. Well about Skip and another man that we will inevitably talk about shortly, uh, Lucas. So in the last two games, so I'm, I'm kind of grouping these two matches together, so forgive me, but in, the, in those last two games combined, Skip and Lucas are actually joints on the most completed passes in the final third, which speaks volumes of what Skip is doing on the pitch at the moment. He really is getting forward quite a lot. So does that surprise you, having watched those games, or does that sound um, pretty credible? So... Oliver Skip towards the end of last season with Norwich was becoming that player that I've described, but I always thought, well, yes, but it was in the championship for the best team in the championship, whereas it's the Premier League defensive midfielder is probably his place. But what Conte's tapped into is the fact that, A, he's brave as anything, so he doesn't mind trying to do something, whether it's with the ball or without the ball. And two, mm. he's got a lot of pace and... Usually pacey players are out on the flank, so when you get them in the middle of the pitch, as long as they can control the damn thing, which yes. Sissoko couldn't, which is why he had his limitations. And they have more options to pass I to. said about the 70-cap France international who's played in a European Championships <laughs> final. Um, <laughs> then you can be devastating, and I think I said a few episodes ago that Skip could very well be Conte's Barella, and... I think I've said that elsewhere as well and got a bit of mockery for it because people were like, oh, you're comparing Skip to Barella. And I'm not comparing Skip now to Barella now. I'm looking at what he could become. There's five years difference and an entire league between the two and a lot of experience as well. But I think Skip could be that player that does give you energy in the final third and an end product. And that end product doesn't have to mean goals. It can be just making the right decisions at the right time. And Mm. that's where Conte, the orchestra conductor, comes into things. Absolutely. Well, look, enough of that nonsense. Let's talk about what we really want to talk about. Let's talk about the first goal today, shall we? Dave, did you watch Lucas Moura's goal? And have we seen goal of the season already in December? Yes. No. <laughs> no. Oh, explain yourself right it's, now. Well, it, well, for a start, it's not as good as Thiago. So I guess that was in just in November. So, But yeah, great goal. But it wasn't bad. Great was goal. It? Great great lead up to that goal. You can almost feel like you just thought it's like a five second. You know, like when you play in Mario Kart or several other games and you get like, like that nitrous injection or the mushroom and you just go <laughs> full burst, five seconds, see what I can do the with it. Mushroom. Basically, that was Lucas Moura's five seconds. He's like <laughs> jinxed past two different people. Perfect one, two. Even an accidental yep. touch onto the, the onto, the, onto the other onto the other foot, and then he absolutely leathered it into the top corner. Maybe Krull could have done yeah. better. Maybe I'm just being mean because I don't like Tim Krull. <laughs> I think if you if you look at the goal, just the strike, 
just the strike was beautiful. But then the couple of seconds leading up to it with the one-two, the back heel from Son and the footwork to shape to shoot, that's beautiful. But beyond that, actually going back about 20, 30 seconds leading up to the goal, there was a lovely move that we put together. I would love to know how many passes we put together. You know, I'm getting flashbacks of Argentina in the World Cup and there, you know, that ridiculous goal. Sorry, lofty comparisons again. But it depends on how far back they show on the replay on match of the day when that's in the reckoning for a goal of the month or goal of the season. If they show the whole move, it's going to be hard to look past that one. Elio, how did that look from your seat? It was one of those goals where somehow, when it's a guy who's not scored a league goal yet this season, hmm. as his foot's coming back to strike it, you just know it's going into the net. Sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes players do things in such a beautiful, fluid rhythm and such a sort of, it's poetry in motion, basically, and there's no other potential result. And after he'd done the jinking and the dribble that he had done to make space for himself in the first place, the way Son actually played him in, I think, it was Son, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in the Son first place back, as well. Yeah, exactly. The way that all came together, it almost looked like he was sort of having an out-of-body experience and not actually... I would explain a lot. Not actually thinking about what he was doing. He was just yeah. doing it. And the big problem with Lucas and so many other players that have a bit of pace and skill but maybe not quite enough final delivery is that when they have time to think, they don't make the right decision. He wasn't mm. thinking. He was just doing. He was being all the Lucas Mora he could be in that moment. And... I wasn't, I mean, I celebrated like a madman, obviously, when it went in, because it's the most beautiful goal he's ever scored. It's probably the most beautiful goal we've seen at this stadium, barring maybe Son versus Burnley, but (laughs) they're level pegging. And when it hit the back of the net, I just, I almost wasn't surprised, which I know is an outlandish Mm. thing to say, but it just looked like he was meant to score that goal. I know what you mean, though. I mean, players themselves, strikers in particular, they talk about that, don't they? They say that sometimes they just hit a shot and the minute their boot connects with it, they know it's going in. They can tell that it's going in. And it, it, it's almost the same watching it. You see it like that's been hit nicely. And your, your mind goes faster than that. But just in the split second, you're thinking, this could go in. I don't know why. No, normally it's shots against us that I see that. <laughs> that about, but, <laughs> but sometimes... I don't know why, but I saw that goal and I just thought of the scene in old school when Will Ferrell answers the debate question perfectly. And then he goes, what just happened? I, I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> We are full of the metaphors today and the, the weird analogies. I love it. Uh, but look, let's talk about Lucas Moura because he's not a one-trick pony. Lovely goal. Let's take nothing away from it. But he's more than just a random wonder goal out of nowhere at the moment. He's actually stepping up. Probably been one of our better players. I mentioned he had the most passes completed joint musket over this course of the last two games. But he's been really good, hasn't he? He has. I mean... Still a work in progress. Still a work in process. Consistency still isn't there. He had a really bad game just a few games ago as well. So there are games where you think, have we signed the one Brazilian winger who can't sort of take the ball with his first touch? So so I'm not going to get too far out of him. I love Lucas for who he is and the passion he shows and the amount he clearly loves playing for us. And the fact that he works his ass off every single time he's on the pitch. I think... I'll always be frustrated by the fact that he's got all this pace and all this ability and all this sort of magic in his boots. But when push comes to shove, he doesn't deliver enough. Yeah. We shouldn't ever be having the conversation of who should our third forward with Kane and Son be because with his ability, it should just be him. And it hasn't been. But what he's done all season for us is he's been our player to break the lines. He's been our player in transition. He's been the one that's actually dragged us up the pitch. 
now that we're actually getting the ball and have a bit of cohesiveness and a bit of rhythm to how we're playing as a team, he's actually far more effective in that role mm. because all of a sudden when he's breaking through, other players are in good positions to then get the ball off him. So I think that would explain the passes completed in the final third bit because all of a sudden people are actually in space. They're in the right areas to get a ball from him and it's not a case of him having to force the whole thing by himself, which... He's not messy. He can't do that, which is fine. Most footballers can't. And it's making him look a better player. It's also making others look better players as well. And it's clicking. And I think the best thing about what I've seen from Conte so far is that everything he does, every position he's putting the players in, every role he's asking them to take is to mitigate their weaknesses and maximise their strengths. And I think that's what he's doing with Lucas at the moment. Slight exception to the rule when he's put Tanganga right wing back today but Mm. if Emerson was ill Emerson was ill and let's face it who can blame him for not trusting Doherty from the start (laughs) yeah fair enough it's interesting you say that about Lucas actually because he has always kind of fallen into that mold and there's a few players we talk about who sort of bit this description the kind of Aaron Lennon Adama Traore Alanson Maximan these players Mm. are like exciting fast dribbly pacey players who are just one step away from being an absolute world-class top player but they just miss that killer instinct that final ball that final shot the goals the things that win games and you mentioned how hard working he is and how he's always leading the press and he's always running and doing what he can maybe I'm just jumping a little bit here but he strikes me as the kind of player who is very coachable in the sense that he obviously works hard which you would think Mm. translates through to he'll want to actually improve and he'll work hard in the training field and a lot was made when Conte came in about what he could do for Harry Kane maybe we could start to look at what he could do for Lucas Moura and potentially he could give him that killer instinct because he's very good at working with strikers you saw what he did with Lautaro Martinez who was kind Mm. of I guess almost our equivalent of Lucas Moura in a way a second striker off the main man you know do you think either of you that Conte could turn Lucas Moura into a genuine world-class threat. Lucas is 29 years old. Lautaro Martinez is 22 or 23. (laughs) Fair point. I think if he's not managed to do that so far in his career, then it's unlikely. But what Conte could get Lucas doing is just being a very effective player on a consistent basis. And that's Mm. more than valuable enough. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think we're going to see some players that perform better than you anticipated them to perform because of the coaching Mm. that is going to come from Conte. I think Mora might be one of them, but at the same time, I would class that as a damning indictment of the coaches before him and Mora (laughs) before before Conte as well, because, you know, he's had Mm. 15 years of playing football before this, well, more than that. Yeah. And it takes that long. But, you know, how old is Ben Davies? 29 so he's the same age but I think weirdly I'm actually putting him in the bracket of I think that it's an opportunity for Ben Davis to actually push on and actually be you know certainly until you hire some big guns which I'm sure you will but you know at the moment Ben Davis is indelible on the team sheet Mm. absolutely and I think the slight difference between their two respective situations is now Davies is being asked to do a role consistently as opposed to just for the odd game here or there that he's never had the opportunity to do for us before. Mm. Whereas Lucas is being asked to play the same role he's always played for us, but he's just being asked to do it better and more often, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So Davies is being given opportunity to reinvent himself, whereas Lucas is being asked to actually deliver what he's meant to have delivered several years ago. And I don't want this to any way take away from how great he was today and how well he's playing at the moment. Not in the slightest of right now. He is indelible on the team sheet for a different reason, but... I could still see Lucas being a player that we could upgrade on with someone more consistently effective 
either in January or the summer, whereas Davies, I would not be surprised to remain first choice for the rest of the season and continue to be into next season if he earns it. Well, as if we weren't sports enough already with two wins, two clean sheets and a potential goal of the season contender, we now, I'm very glad to say, are joined by Joe, who has just decided to jump on the podcast. Joe, welcome. You've just missed us talking about Lucas Moura's goal, but just for you, we'll rewind it a little bit and get your thoughts on that. How did you enjoy that today? That's incredible. (laughs) And also the first part of it is such a Lucas build-up in terms of just the agility, fast-moving, little one-twos and stuff. But the finish was just... That was a bit more un-Lucas, you know, (laughs) a sort of thunderstrike from outside the box. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure Elio liked that one. Dave doesn't think it's goal of the season. What do you have to say to him? Mm -hmm. I really like that Bernardo Silva goal during the week. Really? I really, really liked that. Um, I, I did, because he's in my FPL team. I saw that. I'm a bit annoyed. He's, I've just realised that Thiago goal was in the Champions League, wasn't it? Yes. yes yeah. It Do you take back what you said earlier? No, I just... I just <laughs> Can you at least give <laughs> us goal of the season so far? say it's goal of the season for one particular competition. <laughs> what a waste of we, time. We'll take any trophy we can get, okay? Nothing. We got golden boot last year. That's probably all we're going to get this year, so we're going to take it, okay? Don't tread on our dreams. Pushcast Award for good measure. <laughs> well, actually, the Pushcast Award is coming up, and Eric Lamella is in the running for it, isn't he? <laughs> I think he, he is. No, he is. I know. When does That's that come out? I said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean... <laughs> and didn't Son win it last year as well? I think he did. Yeah. Yes. Has that ever happened? Has one team ever won it twice in a row? Or a player from that team? I mean, we can still claim Lamella because it was for us. You know. Is that a trophy? I count yeah. it. I'll take it. <laughs> it's more of a trophy than the Europa Conference League, surely. <laughs> uh, well, we talked about Lucas uh, with great length. And uh, as I said earlier, we could talk about pretty much all of our players and they will warrant a bit of conversation. But we'll try and move it along logically. I guess the next thing we're talking about, we'll wonder why. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go on, yeah. Joe did miss talk about his favourite player. So just Joe, three words. <laughs> yeah. Oliver skipped today. Uh, really good passing. Hmm. A new string to his bow. Yeah. We did that, really that have pretty that. much lines up with what we were saying, actually. If, just, just to fill you in, Joe, we were basically saying how he did kind of develop his game a little bit more than we'd seen before, and he was getting forward a bit more and was a bit more of an all-round midfielder today. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, and, and I thought that from the last couple of games as well. Because mm. Skip, at the start of the season, seemed to be a bit more of a destroyer, didn't he, with Hoybier trying to break mm. up play and, you know, a bit more robust and stuff. But we're seeing a bit more of that passing game that... He was supposed to be all about when he was kind of coming through a couple of years ago. He was certainly sold to me as a bit of, you know, more of a playmaker, well, a passer, which didn't seem to be quite the case so far this season. So it's nice to see that part of his game is becoming more central. I think on three occasions today, he slid in, made a good sliding tackle and actually got up oh. with the ball at feet and passed on. In fact, one time he actually passed when the he ball was still while on the still on the ground. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> slid yeah, in and yeah, almost yeah, yeah. in the same motion, knocked it back. Joe, did you know that Oliver Skip jointly has the most completed passes in the final third over the last two games for Spurs? Dave and Elio know because I've already made that stat. I didn't know that. I thought you'd appreciate that one. Yeah, that's fantastic. Very good. Well, I'm sure we'll come back on to him. But I was about to say, it was a bit of a Norwichy game for Norwich, wasn't it? In the sense that, as is often the case with them, they're probably looking at that scoreline thinking, did we really deserve to lose 3-0? Because they gave us a bit of a worry at times. There were a couple of chances. And in fact, there was one really good chance. I think it was Ida at 1-0. It would have been the equaliser where Puki had a bit of a scuffed, sliced shot and it fell to him really nicely and he really should have put it away. It was harder to miss. Uh, and Puki himself had a good chance early on. Like, mm. I know we like to look at it and think, oh, it was just a procession and we just did away with a lower position team. But do you think Norwich have any right to feel slightly hard done by via the score? <laughs> Can anyone hear me? 
<laughs> Am I still I thought, on? Yeah, I thought that was for Jack. You, but it was like <laughs> No, that was a that was unilaterally, that was out of the group. I, was I think they the did for Norwich um, sympathy. Right, okay. Yeah, well, I mean look, I think we like Norwich because they try and play good football. It just it's one of those I think we deserve to win 3-0. I don't think they deserve to lose 3-0. Very diplomatic answer. I think we created so many more chances than they did and territorially had so much more danger. I don't know what the XG was. I'm sure you can look it up quickly enough and tell it me. It was actually quite close. I'll give you that. I did look at it. I think it was 1.6 1. 1. 6 to 1.2. 1. 1. Yeah. Norwich yeah, yeah, did have a couple of very good chances. And the Eda one right at the start of the second mm-hmm. half was right in front of me. And I was just bracing myself to sort of yeah. turn to my dad and go, here we go again. So <laughs> seeing it sort of just yeah. trickle past the post was a relief. But we still had the bulk of the attacking play in the match. We had the bulk of opportunities. And I think Harry Kane playing a bit more like Harry Kane and it's an even bigger margin of win, which is why I say I think we probably justified the heavy win. But at the same time, Norwich can still feel hard done by by it, as weird as that sounds. So that was the only time you were hiding behind your Bovril, cowering away. That was the only time hiding behind my ball. I mean, (laughs) listen, first half they had a couple of exchanges early on which threatened us, but nothing that I thought to myself, oh, Jesus. And a lot of it also seemed to come off the back of us not quite getting something right defensively, like when uh, Dyer went on a rampaging foray into their half with the ball at Fetal when Davies... Sanchez had to sweep up. Yeah, so it wasn't so much that they were creating stuff as we were kind of giving them opportunities, which is Mm. why I also said earlier on, I don't actually think think it was a particularly vintage display from us even though it was a pleasing one just to clarify do they serve bovril at the tottenham they hospital do. stadium yes i just do. felt like i just assumed that would be beneath them you know why, why serve bovril <laughs> it was in a fancy cup though hot toddies and and wensleydale elio sent me a photo of him holding up his cup of bovril it looked like it was in quite a fancy cup a lot fancier than the last time i got bovril at spurs but that wasn't white hot lane so i mean things have moved on yeah the, the, the lead still polystyrene <laughs> the, the Leeds fans were very complimentary of the uh of the beaver town ipa oh, yeah. that was available on tap pouring from the bottom of the glass up indeed yeah, fancy stuff yeah we like our neck oil at spurs i mean i don't but some do apparently is there a trophy for best bar? Hopefully. <laughs> Get what you can, right? <laughs> we'll yeah. take that. The next goal was Davison Sanchez. And I want to talk about the goal, but I also want to talk about his celebration because he seemed almost annoyed that he'd scored. Like, he had this anger on his face. Just kind of stood there, just defiantly, like, yeah, and what? I scored I a thought goal. thought he might go catch fire at one point. Yeah, yeah, genuinely. <laughs> I was half expecting that. But anything worth mentioning about the goal? I mean, it was yeah, pretty routine, wasn't it? It was pretty routine. I mean, he did well to actually hit it as well as he did in a yeah. in a fairly frantic situation. And he had, he leathered it in as well. Yeah. I'm not convinced Sanchez is... I'm not sure he's that happy at the club, to tell you the truth. Mm. He, he's been in and out of the team for a couple of years. Now, he, he wasn't particularly well treated by Mourinho when other defenders in front of him were not playing particularly well themselves. Listen, he deserves some of the criticism he gets because, like against Ennis Mueller the other day, he had an absolute horror show and has had many absolute horror shows shows but today he actually played really really well I thought there were murmurings in the summer that he basically asked his agent to find him a new club and no one came in for him um <laughs> I'm not sure how true they are or not but mm. I don't see a player that that's loving being a Spurs boy at the moment and that might be reflected in his slightly angry celebration because yeah. these guys are young men they know how to use the internet I'm pretty sure he's aware of all the flack he gets from Spurs fans and I think some players it'll roll off their backs other players it'll probably hit them a bit because he's never been anything but a good honest pro for us and probably doesn't deserve to get the flack he gets but Mm. 
football fans being the impatient little twerps that they are, he does get that flack. And I think we probably saw a bit of that in his celebration. But that being said, it's probably fair to say, especially when it comes to centre-backs, it's not good enough to be very good one game, two games, and then have a shocker. Consistency is probably more important at that position and obviously goalkeeper as well. You need to be not talked about. Yeah. Your, your name shouldn't yeah. be coming up if you're a centre-back. Exactly. And that's the thing Dave was saying earlier, just from the highlights, he hasn't really seen a huge amount of Oliver Skip. And that's a good thing because he's not making mistakes. And and if you've seen the highlights of the Mura game, you'd have seen a whole lot of Davidson Sanchez, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess the interesting thing is, worth talking about at least, is that he does seem to be preferred to Tanganga in that position when both are available from what I can see at the moment. I know Tanganga came on as the right wing back, but do you think there's a reason for that? I just don't think Tanganga's been on particularly great form lately. And much as we all want our homegrown players to excel, truth be told, he's looking a little raw would be the kind way to put it. And I'm going to be kind yeah. to him because I like him. So he's looking a bit raw at the moment. Whereas Sanchez on a good day is a very good centre-back. It's just that those good days are fewer and further between than yeah. we'd like. But I think if you, you had to put someone in there, particularly he's got a lot more experience. We're talking about someone that's played in a, a European final. We're talking about someone who, who's got a whole lot of international camps, played in a World Cup. I think Sanchez is probably seen as the safer option if we're in a situation where Conte's assuming whichever of the two it is filling in for Romero is probably going to make a mistake at some point. Mm-hmm. He probably thinks that Tanganga right now is more likely to make that mistake. The other thing is, I think Sanchez is a little bit more comfortable on the ball, which Conte wants in his wide centre. He's probably better in the air as well. I mean, he's a bit taller as well, for one thing. But I was looking up stats earlier just to try and pull something together about this. And I found that Sanchez, in his last two games, which admittedly are probably relatively easier games, he's won eight of his aerial duels, which is the most at our club out of all of our players. Tanganga, conversely... Mm admittedly this is probably taken from slightly harder fixtures has won zero so maybe there is an element of that maybe and, and I think there was a game where Conte brought on Sanchez for Tanganga at half time it was quite recently and I think it might have been a case that he was just getting outdone in the air maybe there is an element of that there isn't he's a kid he's not playing well right now I'm sure he will in future he has done previously but you almost have to protect him at this point as well we need points on the board we want to fight it out for top four right now let's say we'd played Burnley and beaten them we'd be in the top four so Would be. I think if you're actually fighting at that end of the table, you have to mitigate your potential weaknesses as a team as much as possible. And picking Tanganga would be on sentiment as much as yeah. anything else. We started with him, Skip and Kane in the team today. Three homegrown Spurs boys all starting for us. Three of our yeah. own. Harry Winks would have made it four if he played instead of Hoybier, which could have been justifiable. Mm-hmm. And that's lovely to see, but you can't just play someone because we produce them in our academy. They have to be playing well, yeah. and he isn't. Perhaps we ever so slightly overhyped him at the beginning of the season because of what Dave was saying earlier about wanting the homegrown talent to come good. And, you know, it's a bigger deal because the bar is set low for them, I suppose. Perhaps there is an element of that, but, mm. but who knows? We're, we're certainly not going to give up on Tanganga, are we? We want to see what he has to offer, whether that's at right back or at centre back, but let's see how he gets on. We talked about a lot of our players. One that we probably haven't talked about enough, in fairness, is Human Son, who. I think conversely, we expect the best from every week. So yeah, Bari is always set very high for him. We've talked about XG, we've talked about shots on target, passes in the final third. Son gets in where the stats really count in assists and goals. And he's been pretty much our main man for the last couple of games and more or less for the whole season. 
Yeah, that's fair to say. I think today was actually his best game in a while. I don't think he's been particularly great lately, even with chipping in with the goals. Today, I think, was a really nice, complete performance. He was linking well. Got a bit of a rollicking from Kane for blasting across at him instead of just passing it in front of him. <laughs> that was right in front of me, and uh, this yeah. is the first time I've ever seen the two exchange heated words with each other. But... <laughs> He's someone that's slowly finding his way back into a bit of form and it can't come at a better time, especially while Kane's still trying to remember how to score goals. Absolutely. Joe, Dave? I think we talked a few weeks ago about a player of the season so far and I think we all said Son is a strong contender. Do you still think he's kind of our most important player at the moment? Yeah, Son was one of the few bright spots that we were trying to pluck out like a, a month or so yeah. ago when there was just nothing <laughs> good to talk about. It, it felt like Son... Whereas now he's fading in a bit more. Yeah, it just feels like... It's, it's almost. It's not so much that he's not playing quite as well. It's more that like he just hasn't really kicked on mm. when you thought if everyone else improves, Son's going to be incredible, you know, and uh, everyone else has improved a bit and he's sort of still doing fine and making good runs. He has obviously added a couple of goals in the last couple of the games, which is the most important metric, as you say, Dags, but he's still not setting the games alight. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been excellent this season so far, I think. And yeah, it's difficult. If he's working on 9 out of 10s, it's difficult to get from 9 to 10. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's easy for everybody else to get from 6 to 8. So I think he's definitely, in my opinion, your most important player offensively. Without him, I think a lot of it falls down. Yeah, And I think he's your MVP at the moment. He's the only one you can bank on to score anyway, more often than not, at the moment. I think he's the only one you can bank on to rouse the crowd, mm. to, to do something that really does, you know, get someone on the edge of their seat or even onto their feet. Yeah. I Don't get me wrong, Lucas Moura did it today, mm. but I wouldn't bet on him doing it next week, but I would bet on Son. I think that's fair. And actually, on what you say about sort of rousing the crowd, I think just generally Son is one of those players that are becoming a rarer, rarer breed that does actually play for the joy of entertaining 60,000 old angry men, basically. Um, he's Including you. Including me, definitely including me. He, even even a little thing like, have you noticed he's incorporated a little spiderweb shooter sign into his celebrations <laughs> the last couple of goals he's scored and him and Lucas and Hoybier all did it together ever since it came out that Tom Holland's a big Spurs fan and oh, they, yeah. they, they yeah. hung out together and stuff like that and all of a sudden, Son's, and it's just fun, like, it reminds me of when Vertonghen used to open up, pretend yeah. to open up a Superman S Super, sign, yeah. like... These guys are doing such a fun job that when they do good things, you want to actually see them enjoy it and have a bit of fun. And Son has always been that guy that we always talk about, Sonny's smile and all that kind of rubbish. But to tell you the truth, it makes you want to see more of that. You want players to actually realise that actually we're all here doing a great thing and having loads of fun here while some people are working zero hours contracts on minimum wage wiping asses for a living so (laughs) there's not enough in that in football anymore is there i mean i know it's a bit of an old man cliche like having fun or wiping asses well well, i was gonna say having fun actually but yeah like you don't get the kind of as many of the ronaldinho characters do you the ones who just seem to absolutely love every minute of playing football Mm. i mean you saw sanchez today that was the opposite (laughs) sanchez just looked like he hated everyone in the stadium but it's nice to see i think you've got to hold on to those players because yeah what they do for the crowd and the energy in the stadium much like Conte obviously as we talked about last week that's got to be tangibly a benefit to the team for sure um we've gone for quite a few of the players and as I said earlier it's one of those especially with the two games it's one of 
those weeks where I almost want to go through every single one of our players and give them their due because nobody really dropped the ball. There was nobody who really had a bad game. But let's talk about Regalon quickly because he is quietly continuing to really take to this left wing back role very well. Another very nice assist. He's obviously scored a brilliant goal against Leeds the other day, Dave, which was completely intentional from start totally to finish. Intentional, yeah, really um, but yep. again, continues to look very impressive. What have we thought of him? I mean, not much more to say than that, is there? There isn't much more to say than that. He's not injured. I'm forcing it he's now. He's not injured. That's what I'm hearing via his Twitter. He's, he's, he's pleaded with everybody not to drop him from your FPL team. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad that I don't have him in, actually, to be honest. Not least because Pricey has him in his team, but that's another matter. Well, look, I mean, we're going to have to move on to talk about the games coming up next week, of course, next weekend. But hmm. before we do, obviously, we've covered a lot, a lot to talk about, two very good games. Let's talk about where this leaves us, which is specifically in fifth place with a game in hand would you guys like to hazard a guess at where we are currently in the home premier league table elio should know this the home premier league going every week this is an unofficial we took a couple of batterings didn't we from chelsea and united but i think i think we've won every other home game so screw it i'm gonna go for top that's correct we are top of the home. No yeah. way. Which you, wow. there's two ways to look at that, isn't there? You know, we can look at the, what does that say about our away record. For for what it's worth, we are tenth in the away league, but you know, obviously. So we're in right in between in fifth in the league at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Funny yeah. how that works out, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We do have a, a game in hand, which is an away one, of course, coming up. But yeah, our predictions. Which are, is annoying because yeah. that's not a game in hand you want to know <laughs> no, at this stage no, not of the season. I, I know you yeah. guys talked about this last yeah. week. No, no, get yeah. it all out, anyway. Joe. We still hate no. the. Yeah, I missed my Burnley. chance to moan about that. You got time. Yeah, it's fine. this has to be a long episode. It's good. If you if you have anything to get off your chest, could that potentially mean then that the second half of the season is going to be harder for you because you've had your easy home game? Um, oh, Dave, you just had to ruin it for us, didn't you? I mean, one of those wins yeah. at home was over Manchester Man City. City. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, because you only have to go away to the Etihad to win that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, anyone can do that these days, right? I guess um, Leeds is an easy home game. The point is. <laughs> Two pointers are our rather tentative predictions of being in the top four by Christmas are starting to come together and it's looking okay. And if we can be top four by Christmas with a game in hand still, then we'll be pretty happy considering mm. how the season started. So all looking pretty good. Um, I was going to say... Start building the trophy cabinet. Yeah. I said we'd finish fifth, so I'm I'm bang on projections at the moment. I think Elio said third at the beginning of the season, if I recall I correctly. Did. Yeah. I think I sat firmly on the fence and refused to give an answer on that one. Or did I say fourth? No, we made Oh, you did? You. Yeah, I think you pressed me and I said... I think I think you went for I think fourth. I did, because yeah, I felt I felt peer pressure into yeah. upping it to fourth. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see. A long way to go, of course. A long way to go. A busy schedule. A lot of potential injuries. COVID happening all over the place. I mean, it's just you never know what to predict. But at the moment, things are going well, and it's it's nice to see. You've scored sixteen goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to say, Dave? Liverpool have scored forty-four. <laughs> Listen, okay. How are they only nine points? Points, ahead of points you? are all that count. <laughs> they should be on. They should be on seventy points. Okay, well, points are all that count. Okay. I mean, didn't AC Milan win the league one year with like thirty goals or oh, something yeah. ridiculous? Amazing. Like, yeah, that amazing, was an unbelievable statistic. Just one nils across the board. Mm. Yeah. Don't think that's going to be our style somehow, but uh, let's take it one step at a time. So, speaking of the run into Christmas, obviously mm. um, we do have a couple of games. I mean, first of all, let's we need to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it for too long, but we have the, the Europa Conference League game against Wren. So, what's your approach to that reserve team? I mean, they're going to play a reserve team, aren't they? It's Really, really hard to know what I even want out of this because if we fail to qualify from the group, yeah. I won't really care. But at the same time, it will be a bit embarrassing, I guess. If we do qualify, we can only qualify in seconds, which gives us the extra couple of fixtures. 
The only prize for winning this competition is entry into the Europa League for next season. Yeah. But at the same time, it would be nice to win an actual trophy. So, so I'm really conflicted about what I want us to do on Thursday. I think I'm leaning to just playing the reserve still. And if we go through, we go through. If we don't, uh, meh. If we play the reserves and lose, at least that's an excuse. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it? No, I, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm the opposite to Elio. I, I, I really think we should be taking it pretty seriously mm. because we've really not got much to shout about this season. And like you said, Elio, you can mock the Conference League as much mm. as you want, but we can claim that we've won a European title and it's a competition we can We win. can claim that, but will you anyone know? actually take it seriously if we do? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe I don't twi- want to sound maybe in entitled. twenty years it'll be really prestigious. I don't want to sound well, yeah. I don't want to sound entitled. I don't want to sound like we're above it or anything because you know, frankly, we haven't won anything, and it would be progress on some level. It would show that we can win a knockout tournament. But is anyone going to care? I mean, it's like when we say we've won more European trophies than Arsenal, and then they go, "Oh, but we won the Fairs Cup," and I was like, <laughs> "Fairs yeah, Cup, exactly. You're so cute." Exactly. I don't right, think we that, will ever reach a point in history. I, I can't see this tournament ever be taken no, seriously. And even but, if it does, we'll look back on it as a bit of a joke thing. So I don't know if we need the extra fixtures, really. Mm. Dave, would you be happy if the Leeds won the Europa Conference League in a couple of years? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it would mean you'd have to have finished in the top seven. So yeah, that's a good start. Absolutely, I'd be delighted. Yeah, but in fairness, I mean, I mean that's the whole, the whole, the, places, that's, the, that's the goal for yeah. us, is to get into Europe, define yeah. Europe. Okay, maybe that was a, a bad years. question, but do you think Spurs I was just looking at, I was just looking at, well, yeah, I was just looking at the leagues and I was trying to work out if you are the biggest club in, in it. And Roma, not, Roma, right? Roma is the word, Mourinho's yeah, Roma. Yeah, exactly, Roma, Roma are in it. Mm. And, well, Didn't want to par with Roma. You're bigger than Feyenoord, and you're bigger than Copenhagen, mm. and you're bigger than Rennes. But you know, there's a few decent teams yeah, there, right. and 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 people come down from the Europa League. Yeah, right. So we'll get the and the Europa League. The Europa League. I don't know if you've looked because obviously you're not in it, so you don't care. But it's stacked. There's some proper teams yeah. in the Europa League this yeah, year. Yeah, we'll get their third places, yeah. won't we? Barcelona will be in it in a few days' time. <laughs> exactly. If they're lucky. That's the thing, though. Like, I don't want to be arrogant about it. I don't want it to sound as if, you know, it's ours to give up. Like, we'll automatically win if we try, because that's not the case at all. But by the same token, you know, it's certainly something that we've, we're capable of winning. Let's talk about our next Premier League game, then. So we've got Bryson away. Mm. Bryson, not in the best of form. I think they've had three draws in a row. Obviously, they got booed against Leeds. What do we make of them? Not really scoring a lot of goals. They're not having the best time, but... Mm. They are a good side, and Dr. Tottenham and all that. Um, <laughs> they beat us last season. I think they beat us the season before as well. Uh, we lost 3-0 to them, and Loris broke ago, yeah. his arm. I mean, that was a horrible game. Yeah. yeah, that was the end of Pochettino, pretty much, wasn't it? Or yeah, the beginning of yeah. the end of Pochettino, anyway. And last season, they beat Mourinho's side as well. So any win here would be a really, really good win. I don't really care sort of what their form is like. Winning away at a well-drilled, good footballing side like them is, is a big deal. And I want us to win this game because... Yeah. It will be not just obviously for the points and for the league position, but it will be a sign and of to get into the top imp- half of the away table as well. Well, yeah, it will be a sign of us actually improving that we can go away to a side that people do struggle against and win. So, yeah, cautiously optimistic, but definitely cautiously. Yeah, we played them last week, and Tarek Lamptey was back to his uh, mm. his old self. He was He's an he exciting, was terrorizing player, our left back. I mean, don't get me wrong, our left backs acclimatized to the Premier League. But, oh my goodness, he was frightening. And, you know, your left back is in for a, 
in for a we shift. don't know if it's going to be Reggie or if it's going to be Sessegnon. Exactly, exactly. Good cameo from Sessegnon, though. Yeah, I mean, and he had a point to prove, didn't he? Because he didn't exactly cover himself in glory in the, his last appearance. But mm. obviously, you know, say what you want about that. One of the yellows was definitely a bit harsh. Yeah, I mean, if it is to be Sessegnon, are you worried about that, Eddie? Or do you think he can, he can handle himself? Um, He'll need help. Yeah, mm. that's probably the right answer. Which will probably nullify your left-hand side. Which would not be ideal, given that that is the side we tend to attack down. Yeah. I think Brighton are a really well-drilled side. They're a good side. They've got a good manager. You want to go to their ground and you want to not lose. That would be the bare minimum. As long as you don't lose, then I think I think you can almost walk away from that saying, job done, let's move on to the next mm. one. Yeah. But you've got the ability and you've got the players that means that you could probably sneak it because we nearly sneaked it at their ground a couple of weeks yeah. ago when they started flagging with 10 minutes to go and that might be the way that this game goes you know it might be a case of it's a bit of a stalemate for 80 minutes and then it's just who pops up with that one moment They're almost like the team equivalent of someone like Lucas Moore or Harry Kane in the sense that they get a lot of shots they play very good football they make some nice moves and they have a lot of high XG but they just mm. don't seem to score that many goals and that's just the running problem that they have maybe more of a skip because I never see them on match <laughs> they're seventh in the running order right down there well like interesting one to look forward to and obviously depending on other results could potentially put us into the top four west ham who are currently above us isn't it what who have they got next week they're away at burnley oh, they're gonna win that aren't they <laughs> well, i don't know <laughs> we better beat bryson then but no, looking ahead at the fixtures in general i think it makes for some some decent reading and, and hopefully we'll have some some good things to, to come ahead somehow we're eight points up on the equivalent fixtures last season. Bear in mind that taking Norwich's equivalent from last season as being Fulham, Fulham being the team that Norwich have replaced, yeah. we're actually eight points ahead with a far worse goal difference from the same fixtures at the same time. But it gives you cause for optimism, particularly when you think that one of the unlikely wins last season was Manchester City, which we've already had. I think the only other results that really you'd say was a shock was us going away to Old Trafford and winning last season. But it feels like if we hit par for the rest of the season in each fixture, then we've got every chance of getting that top four spot based on mm. how we started the season, despite the fact that we feel like it's been a bad start where we had sack a manager. It's crazy. Yeah. And assuming some transfers in January transfers that might... Nice boost us a bit yeah i was gonna say is that what these last two games have been have we just been hitting pie are we getting carried away looking at a two nil win and a three nil win against teams in the bottom half of the table and thinking well all of our problems are solved or is that just what we should be expected to be doing it is what we should be expected to be doing but the fact is we weren't doing that before so <laughs> for all intents and purposes you could say well we're just hitting par but we weren't hitting par before. We were getting battered at home by good sides. We, we lost 3-0 at Palace or 3-1 at Palace. We got battered by Arsenal as well. I mean, we lost to West Ham. We were well below par. And I'm yeah. not saying we should never lose to the, any of these teams I've just mentioned. West Ham, United, Chelsea, obviously good sides. But we shouldn't have been playing the way we played and getting beaten quite as badly as we were and losing all of them. I mean, so no, just hitting par with the quality of squad we have should be enough to actually have a good season fair point well look we've talked about enough games today i think for one episode <laughs> going both ways so i'm tempted to move things along to challenge elio unless of course anyone has anything in particular they'd like to add i know joe you missed quite a lot so uh, any final thoughts on the last couple of games and where that leaves us i guess the only thing i would probably say is i'm still just a tiny bit frustrated that kane just 
doesn't look like he's going to score. He's mm. he's definitely playing better, but like that chip that he did earlier uh, today. Yeah, just last like, season that's ended goal. up quite far off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just just a tiny bit worried that it seems to be taking a long time for for Kane to ramp up, even under the Conte era. I think that's fair to say. It's very easy to flip onto the Hannah Kane switch based on the summer's antics, but. He did play well today, as you said, and is contributing more overall at the moment. I think if any player for us has ever earned the right to have an entire bad season, it is Harry Kane. If we take the emotion out of the whole Manchester City debacle out of it and all that stuff, then no one has earned almost a free season more than he has with what he has done over the past seven years. And even if it takes him into the second half of the season to rediscover adequate scoring form and he ends up on 10-11 goals in the end or something like that I think he deserves the shot to get there because as long as he's contributing to the team overall first quarter of the season he absolutely wasn't and therefore didn't deserve the shot based on what he's doing at the moment I think he's entitled to a little bit of patience but I think right now I just I see a guy who is confident in every area of his game other than scoring goals and I think that was evident in the chip over Cruel, which even trying that uh, at least shows that he yeah. still has faith in his ability. Most players wouldn't hit the target mm. from that anyway. It's just because it's him that you expect him to. He didn't. This time last year, he does. And he just needs one to go in off his backside. And then I think we'll be fine. It surprises me that the, I know it was San Marino in Albania, but it surprised me that that run for England didn't give him that boost. I know it's different. That's, that's what I was but... hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, that's that's pretty much why I put him back into my fantasy team and why I'm keeping him in for the next game. So, <laughs> so, well, he uh, never I, had I a should... monkey on his back for England. That's the thing. The monkey mm. on his back is with Spurs. I don't think when he plays for England, it's the same situation at all because when he plays for England, he's been on such great form. He's only failed to score in one of the qualifiers. So the mm. second he gets the ball, he doesn't think about what he's going to do with it. Whereas when he gets the ball for us, I think he is thinking about what he's going to do with it, which is why he's not hitting those perfect, unstoppable, arrowed shots into the corner yeah. that he can usually hit with his eyes shut. He's also getting some pretty good service in that England team as well, to be True. fair. Wow. We've, we've got one or two decent attacking players at the moment. They're not bad, are they? <laughs> They're not bad. Fortunately, they'll play for Man City. Yeah. So, yeah, to try and see what Man City are going to be like next season. <laughs> and that's more than enough of that. Well, I'm going to move the chat along from that point. Before uh, we go on to Challenge Elio, there is yeah. one thing I want to add. You, I think you just don't want to do Challenge Elio, do you? I don't. I think everyone in the country <laughs> has been sort of touched in the last few days by by the whole situation with Arthur Labinio Hughes and yeah. I thought we did a very sort of respectful. I'm sure every ground did a very respectful sort of clap for him at six minutes and. I just hope that whatever has gone wrong in the system to allow something like that to happen is dealt with because I think I think we can all agree that that is a horrifying thing to happen anywhere in the world. Absolutely. I mean, it goes without saying and it's an example of where football can act as a force for good and speak out against things like this happening, much like we've seen with the anti-racism stuff and all other manner of things that have happened and chance for everyone to get together and speak out against things like this and show the community. So uh, yeah, obviously horrible news and a very nice tribute across a lot of games actually from what I saw. So it looks like everybody uh, did that, that justice. Um, right. Are we going to move on to Challenge Elliot? 
Why the hell not? Let's do this. Let's do this. So uh, you probably know what this is all about by now. If you're a regular listener, you'll be no stranger to Challenge Elio. But just in case you're new, as the name suggests, this is the portion of the show where Dave and Joe in this instance will be challenging Elio for some points on some Spurs trivia questions. Spurs trivia questions and general football trivia questions. So we've got three questions today and they tend to go on for quite a while, especially because these guys take so long to answer them all. So we're going to get into it right away. Sorry, that was a cheap shot. And we're going to keep... Yeah, Dave has actually been doing disturbingly well considering he's the non-Spurs fan of the group, but we'll see if he can back that up this week. We've got three questions, and as is often the case, the first question is kind of a list of players that I'm going to get you guys to try and name as many of as you can. The second is more or less the same. And then the third round, which has become something of a challenge earlier tradition, is the Who Am I game, where I will give a series of clues and the guys will have to guess which ex-Spurs player I'm talking about. But that's question one. There was a time when I actually used to have pretty good segues and excuses for linking up to these questions, but now I'm just kind of shoehorning them in. So uh, I was going to say uh, we've had a couple of players pretty high in the tackles ratings this season in Skip and Boyberg. They're, they're doing very well in winning the ball, mm. but I haven't actually checked. I'm just guessing that they're high on the list. But what I would like you guys to do, <laughs> and we did something very similar with the assist charts, is I'd like you to try and name as many as possible of all the ex-Spurs players from the Premier League era who, within the Premier League era, have made the most successful tackles in the top 100. And I'd like you to name as many in the top 100 as you can. There are 14, and some of them are not that obvious. So it's always fair to go to the guys who are challenging Elio first, give them the first stab at this. As always, I'll give you some bonus points if you can get the top spot as well. So guys, Dave, Joe, who is coming to mind in terms of the most tackles won in the Premier League era? And this is obviously their entire career. In the yeah, not necessarily while they're playing for Spurs. They're just players who have played for Spurs. I mean, the first name that comes to my mind is Ledley King. So I don't know if we just go straight in for I that mean, one, I've written him down, Joe. Yeah, so. you going for Ledley King? Yeah. yeah. Ledley King is not on the list. He was too good. Never had to make tackles. Just made interceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not on the good list, point. but, you know, not a bad guess. Elio, who are you thinking? Scott Parker. Number one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Elio continues to make a mockery of this show. Well done. Scott Parker is the seventh in all-time Premier League tacklers with 824 tackles. That is quite something, isn't it? Scott Parker, very good. I don't know how many bonus points you'll get for it, but first guess, that's pretty good. Guys, Gauntlet has been laid down. I guess uh, someone like Kyle Walker, maybe. You going with that? I'm looking at all of the list of players that I've written down, and I don't think there's anybody better than that. (laughs) Joe's like, oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> I think this is this is all from his time at Man City rather than Spurs. Probably, it is quite but, an obscure uh, question. Sheffield United, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one, yeah. Probably made quite a few tackles at Sheffield United as well. There you go. Kyle Walker is number three on the list. Very well done. Okay. 23rd overall with 634 tackles. This is all about longevity, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. And also, no, I was going to give you a clue, but it's too early. Well, Elio's got me thinking, don't go for necessarily the best Defensive players, because you know, if they don't need to What's wrong with Scott Parker? <laughs> Parker was saying, Joe. Well, for one, to... his Bladigan, his Blazer Cardigan combo. <laughs> Bladigan, I've not heard that before. I like that. Love it. Who's the next guest? There are a lot of them on there, so we need to keep this snappy. Danny Rose? <laughs> no. no, he's not on there. That's not a bad guess, though. He, not he's that bad, not that bad. played a lot of seasons. No, it's not Danny Rose. I wish uh, it was. What about Michael Dawson? Nope. 
This is the entire Premier League area. Entire Premier League area, yeah. We always I talk believe. just Premier League. Football did start before the Premier League. The problem League. is there aren't very good stats. There are a lot True. of very detailed stats for Premier League era. I, I, I should say that because I don't want to be one of those people that pretends that football started right. in 1992, but it's just easier, isn't it? John Scales. Nope. I'm just shooting down your answers unceremoniously because <laughs> I need to keep this moving along. I've got some answers that I can just pepper No, out. no peppering. You no want peppering. You're going back and forth. Elio won't like him. All right, one go on. At a time, yeah, obviously. Go on Gone. Stephen Carr. No, not on the list. <laughs> I'm you guys give up yet? Yeah. Um, Jan Vertonghen. Jan Vertonghen is correct. Oh, I had him uh, in the he is ninety seventh on the list with a total of four hundred twenty tackles. Okay, just creeping in there. Do we just go for uh... Woodgate? Oh, Woodgate's a good shout. Yeah, he was injured for half of the Premier League, wasn't he? <laughs> just like Ledley King but he was tackling for the other <laughs> half <laughs> and hitting uh-huh. hitting the ball in the net with his face for the rest of it no unfortunately Woodgate is not on the list so Elio's got two including the top spot you guys have got the one William Gallas nope that's a good that's guess, a good guess. Yeah. Um, let's think who in the current team days this must be the hardest question you've asked it's a bit hard isn't it um, Current team, there won't be anybody. I don't think no one's been no, there. I feel either. like once you get one or two more, it might paint a bit of a theme, and you'll start to work it out, and you'll start to get more. I don't think the three that you got so far paint a fair cross section of these players. You'll get to know what I mean once a few more come out. I think. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, you weren't necessarily supposed Pascal, to. Pascal Chimbonda. <laughs> no. What? This, this is great. No, no, Pascal Chimbonda. I don't think I ever saw him make a tackle. I got plenty more of these. Um, it's, it's too early for clues, isn't it? No, it's still about ten on the list. Tim Sherwood. No, that surprises me though. All he did was kick people. <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't know if I'll count as a tackle. I think this is a clean tackle. No, I'd have already either. No. This is great. This is just like name Spurs defenders. Is it though, Dave? Teddy Sheringham. No Teddy Sheringham, no. That's a bold outlier. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, a low percentage he, shot. He, play, he played in the Premier League for like 40 years. <laughs> yeah, one of the founders of the Premier League. Benoit Asimikoto. No, I wish. <laughs> Most Cruyff turns out of his own six-yard box, maybe. I feel like this quiz, quiz question has turned into how many Spurs players can we name before we get one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever had one with more wrong answers this than right answers at this stage. but. <laughs> No, Jamie Redknapp. Idea. No. no. <laughs> wow. The problem um, is there are there are a good few on there that are very well known players that won't surprise. Uh, Michael Carrick. Darren Anderson. Jody or Darren Anderson. All right, you both said a name there. Which one are you going to go for? Michael Carrick. Joe, do you agree? Yeah, let's go for the Daves. Michael Carrick is second on the list. Well done. Seventeenth uh, in the overall that, list with seven hundred and eight really tackles. Me. Surprised me again because I never really thought of him so much as. I mean, yeah, he's a defensive midfielder, but you think of him yeah. more as a playmaker, don't you? But yeah, seven hundred. Yeah. He also played his entire career in this yeah, league. So very good. Leveling things up. Well done, Dave. Elio, how's your mind going? Nowhere. This is bloody hard. Um... <laughs> I probably should have saved this one for a shorter episode. Should <laughs> you should have saved this one. <laughs> One well, when we only had one game to talk about. David Howells. <laughs> no. No, no. But we're we're getting closer in terms of the mould of player, I suppose. In a way. Probably not at all. Basically, it's midfielders. Ba- basically, there's more defensive midfielders back. than centre-backs, which is perhaps surprising. But I guess the ball is there in their area of the pitch more, isn't it? So 
Um, someone like, is it Argo? Yeah, and a few wingers as well. Jermaine Genus? No, no Jermaine Genus. Good guess. Yeah, I thought so. He's quite high on sideways passes, though. <laughs> um, Steeds Marbronk. <laughs> no, but he was a surprise inclusion in a previous one, wasn't he? No, unfortunately, no Steve Marbronk. I mean, I think generally wingers and defensive midfielders is probably a good starting point. Wings? You're probably starting to realise wide players and defensive midfielders. Wingers, yeah, wingers. Surprisingly, a few. Aaron, Aaron Lennon. Lennon. Who, did you all just say that at the same yeah. time? <laughs> Me and George. Was that that was that was Team Dave? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aaron Lennon is in there. Wow. Would you believe with with 429 successful tackles in 93rd place overall? Yeah. Which means I've been Aaron overtaken. Lennon. Um, does get used to it. So <laughs> you've hit long way to go before that. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite a clues yet because there are a few that shouldn't be a shot. Andros Townsend. Andros Townsend is correct. 83rd with 449. <laughs> Everyone's thinking quite quick surprising, Spurs wingers. <laughs> well, David Bentley. <laughs> Ojo. No, no, David Bentley. I want to see if there are actually more wingers now. I've just led you on a wild goose chase. Mm. I think that might be it for proper sort of wingers. Sean Davis. Sean Davis is correct. Very well done. Sean Davis had 441 tackles. I've got one. Go on, Dave. I don't like him. <laughs> Michael Brown. No. Oh. He, was in, he was in the lower league for a long time. He was in Sheffield United and Spurs and Portsmouth for a fair, fair amount of time. Yeah, but Sheffield United not in this league. And then with Leeds uh, in the point, Championship. Yeah. Same as Carl Walker yeah. and Brownie. Carl Norton. Love Brownie. Really. Love Brownie. Um, actually, there's a name. Carl Norton. Carl Norton is correct. Wow. He is in there. Very good. I wasn't sure anyone was going to get him. He's in 88th spot with 437 tackles. Uh, what about Chorluca? No Chorluca. I don't think he played enough in the Premier League. Elio's taking a bit of a lead here. No pressure, guys. Oh, good. It's me now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They just said Cholica, didn't they? Yep, yeah, Zelio. Or even Leonard. Nope. Pedro Mendes. Nope. Are we getting towards clue territory now? How many do we have left, actually? That's, we've named uh, eight. That's eight. So we've got that's another eight. six. Out of how many were there? 14, I, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so here's a clue. One of them we have already talked about today. Who's go is it? Who have I just given that clue to? You gave it to me, but okay. Even though you're in the lead, that was a mistake. That was, but I don't think it's going to help <laughs> me much. Um, Should we just stop throwing names out? Open forum. Oh, what do you think? Elias, do you think go? it's uh, free for all stage? I think it, it's getting to that point, isn't it? Mm. Sandro. Surprisingly, no. Oh, he was injured a lot, wasn't he? He didn't play enough, did he? He wasn't there long enough. Dembele. Yes. <sighs> Fourth in the list, Moussa Dembele, your favourite player, Dave. He is 43rd overall with 550 tackles. There you go. What a boss. Pulling it back for Team Dave. So, Elio, can you think of the one that we mentioned today that we talked about already? It's narrowing it down quite a lot. I mean, we, we've been talking for an hour and a half now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've just thought of something. You can't truly be Oliver Skip already. Um, no, that's not <laughs> no, my answer. Maybe in 15 years' time. <laughs> um quite surprising actually no can't think so I'm just going to go for guys just shout just shout names out Soul Campbell nope wow okay there's three left we have a defensive midfielder we have a fullback and we have another defensive midfielder and another fullback I think so four left okay 
this is going to be our first ever two-hour episode. Um, okay, so there's one we've talked about today. All right, shall I just do the thing that Dave was doing before with the clubs? Just to give you... <laughs> we'll turn it into a mini Who Am I, shall we? All right, fine. Yep. All right, yep. so this guy who... Okay, he's a defender. He only played for us 58 times from 97 to 2001. Then he went to Charlton, Middlesbrough, Aston Villa. Luke Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another one for Elio. <laughs> I love how Elio's <laughs> algorithm kicks in with each clue. And he, he just he, tra- he his giant game of guess who he in triangulates his like an object. It can only be this person. <laughs> we need to we need to make uh, Elio like a Christmas present one year, like a totally random, obscure Tottenham Hotspur player guess who. Okay. <laughs> I, I would make a, a giant guess who board. <laughs> Let's do Elio versus for our like one hundredth episode or something. Does he have a helicopter license? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my god, it's Les Ferdinand or Jürgen Klinsmann. It's Elio versus uh, DeepMind, the Google AI thing, a bit like Kasparov playing chess against the machine. That's that's the future. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. Right. We're getting we're getting very distracted. This is the first question. (laughs) There's two more after this. I've got cramp. That's how long we've <laughs> Substitution. Dave needs to come off in a stretcher. He's got crap. All right. Wait. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to give you the career of one of them now. This is the longest question. I know. I, I didn't think it would be. I mean, maybe we can just say like next goal wins. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a player that Spurs bought from Toulouse. Etienne Capou. Correct. <laughs> I think. I feel like I've checked out. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just going to start. I need a wee so bad. Ezra <laughs> Kapu is correct. Next player. Dagus, I know you don't have work tomorrow, but the rest of us do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next player we signed from Derby County. Tom Huddleston. Oh, Dave got that Did one. Did Dave just say that at the same he time? Just beat he did. I, know, I, said it, I said it I think just you before can, him, actually. I think you can share that one. Yeah, Dave, your connection's a bit slow, isn't it? Double points. Double points, though. That's the good thing about it. <laughs> This is a farce. All right, one of them played today against Norwich. Ben Davis. Correct. Ben Davis. Very good. Nice. Should let Dave say it for your double points, though. Uh, You guys are just fed up with this round already, aren't you? There we go. You get more points. Right, so this guy, we signed. No, that's not him. That's the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) Simon Davies. No. This guy first signed from Wigan. Palacios. Alasios is correct. <laughs> Thank God for that. I was that. thinking, <sighs> we said Chimbonta. <laughs> you know you've know gone too go. deep in a quiz when we're shouting, we said Chimbonda. You, you say Chimbonda, you've gone too deep when you say Chimbonda, you're told it's wrong, and then you try again later with Chimbonta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a really, that's really time to be moving things along. Well, look, Elio won that by a, a couple there, so that was pretty close, and that was um, probably a little bit longer than it should have been. Okay, so are we ready for the next question? Born ready. Uh-huh. You'll be delighted to hear that this question only has six in the list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I, I suspect it will be slightly easier and hopefully much quicker. So, can you guys name the top six players in terms of total goals against the so-called Premier League Big Six? Hang on, this is any club, any player to have scored the most goals against the Super League Six in the Premier League era, because it's always a Spurs player. No, no. Anyway, oh, any. This is a this is a general oh. football one. This isn't just Spurs. Oh, really? Okay. Jeez. Right. So, anyway, you can have to take into account the fact that Manchester City have been in the league less time than the rest. Um, Harry Kane. 
Yep, he just makes it in with 26 goals against top six. Uh, Henri? No. Back to Elio. Um, Van Nistelrooy? Nope. Salah? No. This is going about as well as the last one, Jesus. isn't it? <laughs> Alan Shearer? Believe it or not, no. I should say these these figures are correct as of September 29th, 2021. <laughs> so they're not that old. So, but they don't look like they're much different. Um, Jogba? Nope. Keep going. They're all very well-known players. Teddy Sheringham? No Teddy Sheringham, no. Anelka? No, they're all, they're all a bit more recent than when you're going. Because of Man City. Aguero? Aguero is top of that list with 54 goals against the big six. So that has got two. Uh, someone like maybe Van Persie? No. Afraid not. No Van Persie. It's depressing if they all end up being recent players. Um, We've had Kane and Aguero. So most goals against the big six. Robbie Keane? No, no Robbie Keane. We're going to go through every single striker, aren't we? There's one I think that you won't get without a bit of a clue. But I really hope someone does get it. What about um, Vardy? Vardy is... Number two on the list, 37. He does love playing against the big teams, doesn't he? Yep, Vardy is correct. Very nice one. Three to go. Letizia. No. No, sadly not. Dave, can I throw out your favourite player, Frank Lampard? No Frank Lampard. So we've got three left. I'm not going to give you any clues just yet, because they're all mega star names. Gerard? No. Rooney? (laughs) No. Is anyone still listening? Cristiano Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo is number four on the list with 28 goals. Very good. Team Dave, over to you. I've forgotten footballers. Elio's got three. We have Kane, Aguero, Vardy and Ronaldo so far. And there are two left in the list. So we're missing number three out of six and number five out of six. Number three has 29 goals and number five has 27 goals. I keep thinking of people from like the last 10 years specifically because mm-hmm. of Man City needing to be in there. But I suppose like... Yeah, if Ronaldo's on there, then it could have been someone that was banging them in the noughties against like four or five of those teams. So it could be Sterling. He's bang- He's been banging them in. Yeah, for yeah. It's not a bad while. shot. Sterling. Nope, not Sterling. There's no more Man City. Okay. I'm not going to tell okay. you the teams. Andy Cole. Nope. Uh, Luis Suarez. Not Luis Suarez. Ian Wright. Nope. <laughs> These are all great guesses. To be fair, I mean, they're all. None of them would be a shock. Is it, is I, mean, it, I, I could tell you the teams, but that'll be a massive giveaway. So. Is it? Is it from other big six? Are they part of the big six? No, no, as in from any team. No, but the two, the two players left, are they Are they big six players? Or are they Just from... One is, one is, one isn't. Okay. So there's someone at a smaller team who is good against the big six, basically. Not necessarily. I wouldn't say a smaller team. Are they both recent? I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue about one of them. He has since moved to another league and not done especially well. Aguero. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. Good, good description. No, you had Aguero. No. So that's that 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 bad taste. <laughs> that, that's, that's a shocking, shocking joke. Jermaine Defoe? No. No, he's not well in Scotland, hasn't Big money move. Hasn't lived up to the dream. You can all shout out. We're past the point of back and forth. Oh, not Coutinho. No, but you're getting warmer. More recently than that. This is the one who is part of the big six or plays played for one of the big six. Can't be Leroy Sane. He didn't score that many. No. Nope. Eden Hazard. Oh. Yes, correct. 
Which leaves us with just one. I forgot about it. I forgot it existed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The move hasn't really worked out that well. Right, it leaves us with just one. It's the one that I was fully expecting nobody to get for a good reason. And I urge you all to think outside the box a little bit. David Unsworth. <laughs> Not that far outside the box. Or his goal were from the penalty spot. Andy, Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> no. John Arnorisa. No. Oh, no. Get back There's in the box Walker. a bit more. No. <laughs> No, just think think of the actual Ian talent, the, the, the specific criteria. <laughs> Which player has scored the fifth most goals of any player since, well, since the Premier League started, basically, but since then, against those teams in, in any competition? And he's a bit of an outsider. He's not of the big six. Maybe you mean someone who scored a lot of goals from outside the box. No, it wasn't a wordplay. <laughs> I just mean, I mean, in any competition, there's your clue. Messi. Messi, 27 goals against the Big Six, uh, ahead of Harry Kane. Double points. So I won 4-2, but it's going to be double points for them. So it's going to be 4 all because Dave... No, no, no. I'm, not giving, no. I'm not always going to give Dave double points for everything. I think Dave has proven that he doesn't deserve double points anymore. He's too good. Mm. I'm going to stop so, trying then. Very, very good. <laughs> right. Who am I? So that's another one. Right. We're on to the Who Am I game. So, uh, very tired. I, I think this one might be got quite quickly. So um, just in case you're new, the Who Am I game, as it suggests... It's a game in which I've written down a number of clues. The guys will ask for a clue. I'll give them the clue and they'll take in turns to guess which ex-Spurs player I am talking about. I'm very distracted by Petrus's dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I should say that our uh, producer extraordinaire has joined the chat. Only for the and second is in the podcast, time. Lurking in the background. Uh, and he's holding a Samoyed puppy that is very distracting and adorable. Um, I, I am here. And he, he just randomly came in here. So wanted my attention. So, um, But don't let him distract you guys from the very important Who Am I game. We have eight clues this time. Who wants the first clue? Dave, Dave has just put his hand up. You know what, Dave? You can have the first clue. I'm just going to give you them. There's no yeah, point asking for them because yeah, I never yeah. remember which one. I never remember anyway. the numbers anyway. Just... All right. I've played for four English clubs. Four English clubs. Mm-hmm. Dave, he always goes for somebody that gets a bit of a wry smile or a laugh. You, you think you've worked So, me out, you know, maybe. think of people that we talk about frequently. Joe's, Joe's just getting ready to guess Darren Anderson at the first opportunity. <laughs> You'll call my bluff one week. For... We can't Spurs, risk. I, I, I very nearly did Dave, it. Dave, we can't it's risk that it's not I'll Darren Anderson. <laughs> it's not. I'm telling you, it's not it Darren has Anderson. To be right? I very nearly did Darren Anderson. I thought it was too soon after last week. No. Um, Four English clubs. You can pass it along. It's fine. Elio won't get it. Now. He probably will get it on the next go. How many did Defoe play for? Way more than four. You Twelve clubs. <laughs> Twelve. That was very quick, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I that can, out very I can count four. But I'm mm. almost certain I'm missing some. Yeah. Let's... Yeah, more than four because he got Spurs, West Ham, Sunderland, and he played for Portsmouth. And England. That famous club. Yes. <laughs> well done, Joe. Uh, go on, let's play, we'll pass uh, it. What are these we'll tags? I have a clue. Okay. The next clue. I've represented my country at under 16, under 17, under 19, under 20, and under 21 level, and have four senior caps. Peaked early then. All might have only recently broken in. That wouldn't describe any of our players. Any guesses? Or do we need another clue? I could just read out the clues and you both just guess. Probably a more sensible way of doing it. Yeah, cool. Do that. Okay. I have been runner-up in the League Cup and the FA Cup. Christian Zieger. No. Not Christian Zieger. Guys, any guess before I give you the next clue? Um, Okoto. No, <laughs> no, not a cotto. We've done a cotto. He's been on this before. I'm trying to keep him fresh. Um, I am six foot two. I know you guys love the height ones. <laughs> six foot two, played for four English clubs, 
I've represented my country at all junior levels with four senior caps. And I've been the runner-up in the League Cup and the FA Cup. Oh, Dave's just thrown his arm up in the air. We're going to give him a guess. Come on, Dave. Who is it? Ian Walker. No, no, it's not. It's not Ian Walker. It's not Jonathan Woodgate. No, neither of those. It's not. Mm. Next clue. Only twenty-eight percent of my goals for Spurs came from inside the box, and it's not a cutter. <laughs> David Bentley. No. Good guess. Dave, Joe, any ideas? Um, Tom Tom Huddleston. Tom Huddleston, ah, correct. Very, well very good, Dave. Well done. All right. Brilliant. I didn't actually, I only realized as we were going through it that he was one of the answers on the last question. I kind of didn't think that through, but luckily it wasn't too fresh in your mind. Tom Huddleston, the remaining clues were going to be, I scored 15 goals in 209 Tottenham appearances, mm-hmm. five of which were inside the box. That's crazy. And Harry Redknapp once compared me to Glenn Hoddle, which is slightly flattering. Well, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, what if it was Cranchar? Exactly. No, Tom Tom Huddleston. Elio, as I often get you to do, summarise Tom Huddleston Spurs legacy. Good player? Good player. Liked ketchup too much. <laughs> the Ndombele of his day. Conte would not have had that. No, if, if we're being fair to Tom Huddleston, never quite got the run he should have had, was a mainstay in our best team during his time at the club, and had more talents than the majority of players in the league at the time, but didn't quite have the attitude to go with it. Oh, and I did have an eighth clue, sorry. The other clue was I once went 55 matches without a goal for Spurs, which is significant. Why, anybody? Do you remember that particular time period? It was the time where he bet that he wouldn't shave his afro until he scored a goal, and it took him 55 games and he had an absolutely outrageous afro. So yeah, that uh, that was good fun. Guys, we made it. We made it to the end of Challenge Elio and we've basically made it to the end of the episode. I think this is probably going to be our longest episode ever, which shouldn't come as a huge surprise given that we had two games to discuss and a couple to look forward to as well. So if you're still here, still listening, we all thank you and I hope it hasn't been too painful to listen along. We ended the show with more people than we started with. <laughs> I know, I know. People were just joining in. It was, it was pretty good. And if, you, if you'll let me indulge myself just for one second, despite the fact this is our longest ever episode, I'm going to make it a touch longer very quickly just to mention a personal thing to add on. Petros and I who you may remember from episode one, giving his opinions on the Spurs legends he'd bring back to our team, who is, of course, our uh, assistant producer on the show, who has actually just joined in the last few minutes with his puppy. Uh, the two of us are going to be doing a charity gaming stream next Saturday. So I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to shout that out. We are going to be playing the original 1997 PlayStation version of Final Fantasy VII, which I will not hear a word said otherwise, is the greatest game ever made to this day. And I include the remake. <laughs> We're going to be playing it for 24 hours straight for Macmillan County to support and it's going to be a challenge to stay awake for 24 hours although this is probably a pretty good practice run to be honest this podcast um and we're gonna we're actually gonna try and complete the whole game for so if anyone happens to know the game be familiar with it you'll know what a challenge that is but whether we do it or not we would love some donations we're gonna post some details of it on our social media accounts for you to have a look at the link you can already donate so guys no excuses now all of you here please go and donate to a good cause Uh, And of course, I don't expect anybody to listen along for the entire 24 hours. This was probably painful enough. But if an hour and a half of my voice every week isn't enough for you, please come along and listen to as much as you can. We're going to be starting at 12 p.m. on Saturday and finishing, hopefully, at 12 p.m. on Sunday. So feel free to drop in for the final few hours, the home straight, or drop in on the Saturday evening whenever. Any support would be amazing. So just wanted to quickly throw that out there before we wrap things up. Um, Smeech, anything to add? 
Are you confident we're going to do it? Um, 24 hours? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we can do it. I think it's uh, it's a very feasible thing to attempt. I don't think we've ever completed it in 24 hours before, but we'll give it our all uh, and, uh, you know, show cancer who's boss. Even in failure will be echoes of glory. We'll be fine. And it's all for a good cause. So, you know, win or lose, it'll be brilliant. Guys, that's probably more than enough, it's fair to say. Uh, let me take this opportunity to thank Elio, Dave and Joe for their time today and Smeech for his brief cameo at the end there. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed another great episode. And let's hope we have another Spurs win to talk about next week when we come back to discuss the Bryson game and, of course, the Wren game as well. Thank you all, as always, for listening. You stay classy, Spurs fans, and we will see you next week. Oh, Thank you.